Hello and welcome to the Hippocampus podcast, a place where we discuss the strategies that help optimise learning. So join us for some grassroots conversations where we share some practical tips and insights that might just make your learning journey a little easier. In this episode, we discuss how to tackle learning anatomy. We share our personal approaches, what we found hard, and share tips and insights to help stay on top of the volume. So let's join hosts, me, Elliot, Gaia, Nikita, who are medical students, and Lisa, who is a lecturer in medical education. How's everyone? Good. Good. Not I bad. I my cup of tea, so I'm ready for podcasts. <laughs> I'm <all> good <laughs> So we've, we've reached the end of a, of a bank, bank holiday weekend, haven't yes. we? Yeah. Yes. Very sad. So this episode, we're talking about anatomy, specifically from a student perspective. We know that anatomy is a, a sort of foundational subject covered by uh, every medical student at every medical school uh, and also in a number of obviously allied healthcare professional uh, courses. Anatomy, as for many of us, we know can be taught through uh, many means. Uh, you can have lectures on it. Uh, some medical schools, you may have uh, hands-on dissection with cadavers, uh, but not necessarily all, all schools offer that. And also a, a variety of resources from prosections, anatomical plastic models, images, interactive. There's so much. <laughs> crazy stuff that, uh, that you can uh, use to, to learn anatomy. Thinking about from the perspective of, uh, of our student hosts then, how was kind of anatomy structured for, for you? Um, so over our first two preclinical years, we had uh, anatomy teaching throughout and that would normally include a lecture, then a, a, a session in the dissection room. In the dissection room, we, we do cadaveric dissection at Leicester. And there's also uh, prosections around the room and then other anatomical models, textbooks. And there's a lot of staff in the DR. Yeah. From, just from a group work perspective, what would you do in group work? Questions, isn't it? Yeah, we did have questions. But do you know, like when we had um, the plastic anatomy models? Sir? Yeah. And they have loads of different models. Like, for example, one thing I remember was um, the larynx anatomy. And that was, we just like split up into like twos and threes and just talk through everything. I think we had a bit of a checklist as well. So we just tick off like, oh, I'll have the epiglottis, blah, 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 blah. Um, so that was useful because it's like even more small group learning and just reinforcing what you know. Because so we've kind of summarized what Leicester does. And obviously this varies from university to university. How we learned anatomy individually. I'll start with myself. <laughs> um, mainly I use, started off with flashcards. So it sounds a bit dry, but just to kind of get the new language of anatomy in, like get used to seeing the words and associating it with a muscle. So then, did you use um, flashcards, like the image occlusion setting on Anki or was it? Oh, you know, I'm not that uh, elite on Anki yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, and also I think it's a bit of like, because I've watched these YouTube videos where you can do that, but I haven't, no, I didn't do that. It was more so like, what innovates this or what is this action? And then I'd insert a picture, um, oh, yeah. of, which, Im which imitates the action life. But yeah, flashcards was one of the things. You know, with Anki, I just, I didn't, I couldn't do it because it was too much effort so then yeah, I just fair. I'd go for something which was available online because I thought yeah. how different it can it be from yeah, no. so just ask the same content right so yeah. I'm not the best person to start Anki because I'm just too lazy to do it but fair enough yeah you can have my Anki flashcards I don't know oh, so <laughs> I'll, I'll donate them because it, it doesn't take that much effort to make I think we'll have a whole I always say this every podcast that we're going to have another have episode. a separate <laughs> 
but we'll, we'll probably be talking about it later on but it's not too yeah. hard to make but yeah. I think that's my main source and then like if it was to do with like um a group of muscles that I wasn't really sure about I'd watch a YouTube video of somebody else explaining it because I feel like it's just quicker like once again a lazy way of learning of just like right I don't know how these group of muscles work so I'm just gonna find yeah. out from there's definitely the, the resources on uh, YouTube I think there's a lot of anatomy demonstrations and then mm. which is good to complement your learning with, with those yeah yeah just a point on your your flashcard sure. use and know Nikita you said that kind of wasn't your approach you know possibly because you know you were doing something else with your time in terms of creating a resource whereas from what I'm sort of suspecting Gaia that the flashcards mm. kind of be, were your resource so the yeah. time and effort that you were putting into them it wasn't an addition to another kind of way of approaching your resource creation that you you know you weren't kind of creating a whole other set of notes aside aside the flashcards or no it was more so like I didn't just make flashcards for like every tiny thing it was more just to summarize just it just to understand the basics of like what a group of muscles would do it mm -hmm. wasn't like every like which foramen does this nerve yeah. go through like I would make sure I try and learn as much as I can but yeah. it was more so to have a general understanding so like when I went back to it, I'd be like, phase one, get through these flashcards because then you know the basics and then go on to the deeper stuff. So it's not too overwhelming for me. I think that's that, why I did that. That's definitely true with anatomy. The basics, well, approach, what a group of muscles does, how, yeah. how that works, you know, that's a really good piece of advice, understanding basics uh, mm -hmm. well. I think the, the best way to try and test whether you know things in, in anatomy is just talk to people about it. Yeah. So... I, sometimes it feels like when you when you start anatomy and then you don't know the anatomy language and you're talking to your your <laughs> uh, fellow students about it just feels like it's kind of like what do you say the blind leading the blind yeah <laughs> right at the start which yeah, is yeah. so I think it's, it's a learning curve definitely because you don't know how to speak about things and then when you hear like a, a lecturer talk in the anatomical language you think that they're speaking a complete different language <laughs> so I, I think yeah. Don't be scared of that would be advice for, for students uh, starting anatomy learning. You know, if you're going to want to start to adopt these words into your normal vocabulary, you're going to have to start speaking them with people. And just like when you're starting out speaking a new language, your conversation with someone is, you know, there's missing words, there's misspelled, mispronounced yeah. words. And, and just gradually over time, you start to develop a fluency, don't you? And you've just suddenly assu assumed these this ridiculous number of new words into your vocabulary over a very short space of time and, and no idea how that even happened. Yeah, literally um, the other day I was thinking the same thing with, um, we're talking about, you know, exams and all of these things. And we were saying these words and just, they were coming, like they were, it was flowing. And I was like, oh, look at us. We're just saying this stuff. And it was like before we would think of how we did it. But yeah, yeah. Right, that's how it happens. You know what I found funny though? Because, you know, Lisa, you're saying like, it's like learning a new language, you've got to speak it. Uh, what I find funny is that everyone pronounces things differently. <laughs> And it really annoys me because I'm like, no, but I say I say foramen, but you say foramen, <laughs> but it's foramen. So why why are you just speak like me? Like why did you do that? Why did no, you do so that? True. Yeah, no That's one so knows. True. I think it's because no one knows. No one knows. Not even no. the anatomists. No. But you, yeah. you know, I get. I used to get corrected in group, and I was like, how do you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, medicine is my own language. I'm going to talk it the way I want. Yeah. There's, there's yeah. usually more than one 
word uh, as well for the same thing never mind like <laughs> multiple pronunciations yeah. of one word that is so true yeah, yeah. Um, what did you say that you speak about it or you try to or yeah well i think that's when i, I learned the most talking to people yeah uh, in the dissection room is, is a really good opportunity yeah. also in anatomy i think mnemonics just mm. was seemed to be like the basis of my learning at, right at the start they always give you something to think about you know it might not even turn out to be an important thing but just having some mnemonics in your head always yeah. really yeah. like kind of gave me something to to think about but yeah. you, you know we were talking about it the other day i think about remembering the mnemonic in the first place oh, uh, yeah. but the, for, for me actually i don't know uh i for some reason the mnemonic would stick with me yeah. you know you know like you just yeah. remember the mnemonic for some yeah. reason I like think it's navel just because, yeah yeah, yeah. I, think, I think it depends doesn't it on what the mnemonic is yeah exactly it's a simple word that yeah. means yeah. something to you like you know like say navel then yeah. that that you're not having to expend any cognitive energy and relearning a new like learning a new word just so exactly. that you've got the first letter of that word to use as a mnemonic. Similarly, with phrases that we can use to remember the order of the cranial nerves. Um, oh yeah, and yeah. then that's a whole. You've almost got a you know twelve word paragraph that you've got to remember just in order to remember the first word, first letter of each word to remember the order of the cranial nerves, uh, and that can sometimes be more energy than it's. Mm -hmm than it's worth that yeah, you end up spending right. so much time trying to remember the complicated mnemonic that you may as well have just spent that time actually committing to memory the, the original thing you were trying to remember in the first place. One thing, my biggest advice is don't sit there and try and make your own mnemonic. Just Google mnemonic for eye yeah. muscles. Somebody's done it there for you. That's so true. Use their brain energy. Why are you sitting there thinking of a new mnemonic? And <laughs> I'm pretty sure if you look at my search history, especially over the past month during vision, mnemonic for this, mnemonic for that, because you needed a quick way to remember it. And that's my biggest top tip. And you can pick the ones which you would probably be more likely to remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. That's, that's a really good point, though, because I mean, the, but the thing is, there's, there is a balance to it, like with everything, because there were some mnemonics that would just happen naturally in my head. Yeah, that would yeah, work. Yeah. Right. But yeah, no, you know, you don't want to spend too much energy on trying to make something yourself. So you yeah. can easily go and look it up. And yeah, I, th I think another thing, too, with, when you start learning anatomy is some things just like stick anyway. You, you yeah. might see something, you know, this this nerve innovates this muscle. You might think, oh, I should learn that. But in a week's it time, just, you've just remembered it yeah, because yeah. You, you've seen it a few times or you've seen it on a model or something. So at the start, yes, a lot of things that might not seem important just seem to stick. And then yeah. it's, it's a good basis. You don't need to find a, a specific way to learn everything. If it sticks, it sticks. If it doesn't stick, then you go out of your way to try and find a way to remember it. Mm. Um, mm. And I think we'll talk about this soon anyway, but like, you shouldn't worry about the volume of how much there is because medicine is ever evolving and <laughs> new things every day. Not to the wrong <laughs> you know, that, that was the mistake um, I made right at the, at the beginning. Cause when we started doing MSK, um, mm. then uh, the workbook, right. Was so dense. But I looked at it and I was like, oh, I can't do this anymore. So I just looked at it and there was pre-reading we had to do. And I was like, I don't see how people are doing this because my friends were on it. They were like, oh, I've done the pre-reading. And I was like, I'm not even started it. I'm not going to start it anymore. Just go straight to the session. Yeah, <laughs> I've given yeah. up already. But I think uh, that I think the main thing was what you were saying, Guy, about volume. 
is I thought I need to capture everything in the first go or first few attempts. You can't do that. But you can't do that. But I don't know why I used to subject myself to that pressure. So then what happened was I just gave up. And then uh, when, when it came to Christmas, I dedicated my first 20 days to just MSK because I was so behind. I didn't keep up with it. And I was eating loads as well, like full blown <laughs> meals, which I never used anyway. But, um, but then it just kind of, but I, I learned, I just kept things in mind, like keeping, you know, the basics strong and mm. attaching meaning to MSK rather than just seeing origin insertion. And yeah. if you think about the movement or you think about the nerves, the way they travel, why they travel in that course, just that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like questioning everything longer. a bit more. It, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I kind of stuck with. But please don't spend 20 days. <laughs> Just realizing I was getting so bad. I was going to say on the pre-reading, I I think I remember consciously, you know, I was thinking there's, there's quite a few pages to read. I'm not, I'm not going to remember a lot of it. So just non-judgmentally read it all and whatever sticks, sticks. Yeah, exactly. That, you know, just seeing the words, especially with anatomy, I think with other things, it's, it's a bit different because not, not many other topics in medicine are so uh, information dense in so many yeah. words and things mm. so you, you can't expect to read a page of Gray's Anatomy and and understand everything it's just yeah. it's just the basis to build on so yeah I think it just if you use as well all the resources that you can and make it as entertaining as possible like we said make it social you know yeah. we used to have those um, dissection sessions where even as a group we used to organize a different time separately to go down and do stuff together and talk about the models yeah. or the pro sections or whatever but if you really discuss it I think that's, you'll, you'll go a long way. I I think also, I think I kind of mentioned it in, um, in an episode where we spoke about group work, about feeling you're not on top of it yourself. So you're not in the place to discuss it with others. So that's the issue I used to constantly face. I'm not, I'm not keeping in touch with this. So how can I go and discuss it with someone, have a conversation with you about that topic if I don't know it myself that well? Um, I mean, I I used to have friends who would be like, no, let's just go and we'll learn something. And I'll be like, no, but I can't function that way. Like, I need to be have a foundation for myself and yeah. then take it but from I there. think if you if you share that level playing field with everyone we're like right we don't we know like x y and z you might know something else but at least we can just share yeah. that knowledge and yeah. maybe the way someone explains something will stick with you and I find that with certain weird like it's not anatomy related but certain weird conditions that maybe my friend has explained to me and I just don't even need to revise it because she I remember the situation in which she explained to me what we were doing um, and they're just stuck with me in that way. So yeah, yeah I agree with Nikita. Like, I think there's a fear behind anatomy sometimes yeah. with some students where it's like, oh my God, there's so much. And when someone manage, manages to word vomit all of these vocabulary to do with anatomy, it can, it can be off-putting. Yeah. What, what, did you, what did you guys do for clinical conditions? What was your uh, approach for that? When, when I learned anatomy the first time around, clinical conditions were kind of scary because I was like, well, anatomy is scary. So conditions, clinical conditions are scary. But once I got the hang of the anatomy, I would start off with a clinical condition, like understand what the condition was and then use the anatomy to figure out what could, if they presented a certain way, what nerve was affected, what muscles are affected, then like it's kind of the opposite of what you think it is. Because if a muscle does one action, the person will present usually with the opposite action. I'm not sure if there's any other, like, if that's, I don't know if that made sense or not. I don't know. No, but yeah, I see what you're saying. Do that yeah. action. Yeah. Um, yeah, basically, yeah. I think I explained that really badly. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, you use, you use the knowledge that you have. We were talking about this before anyway. You have yeah. this basis of learning. You know the anatomy, hopefully. 
and then you use that to apply it in a clinical scenario. So you're just working backwards and forwards. And I think the more you exercise that, the more you get used to what that muscle does, what the nerve does. Um, so it's just about once you get the ball, 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 ball rolling. Yeah. <laughs> and once you get the ball rolling, um, it'll be fine afterwards. I think that's that's the challenge for a lot of students is that because they see that there is such a lot of foundational knowledge and facts yeah. to kind of get their head around that they never get beyond just learning those facts that they either give up partway through the semester and then spend those 20 days at Christmas <laughs> trying to to cram all that in um, which gives you very little time left over to actually start playing with that that knowledge mm. and applying it and problem solving which is where the clinical application comes in exactly. and you know things like flashcards are an excellent way of just starting to get start the to embed yeah. get the yeah. knowledge in um and embed it into into longer term memory because it exploits the whole space practice and recall and retrieval which we, we've touched on in previous episodes as to how important that is for for making learning durable but if if you don't go beyond that you you don't actually start to use that knowledge in the way in which we want you to use it or in the way that you're going to need to use it when you're working mm. as a clinician mm. and i think with a lot of say and i'm sure this is the same in, in other medical schools where you do have kind of a case-based activity around which students are working you know patient presents with x condition patient presents with a fracture when you're trying to, to solve what's going on there without that background knowledge of knowing where your nerves go and what the nerves do and what your muscles do and the actions of those muscles, you can't possibly begin to problem solve. Mm. And sometimes I think if students feel too shaky on, on that kind of, oh, I haven't learned the, the nerves of the upper limb yet. I, I, I can't possibly do that case study. Then you're actually still missing an opportunity to try and learn some of the basic anatomy that would come out of that anyway. So I know a guy you talked about kind of, you, you kind of come from it having established that the sort of basics of the anatomy gone to the sort of applying that to a clinical problem or a clinical case, but then also working back from the clinical yeah. case to what are the basics that I need to know to be able to answer this problem. Mm. So if you're presented with a clinical case and you're like, well, okay, they fractured the mid shaft of the radius. I don't know what the mid shaft of the radius is. So there you've got a learning objective that you need mm. to go and look up, right? What is the relevant part of the osteology of the bone? There's, there's opportunities in, in different forms in which you might present a bit with problems to solve that you can work forward, but you can also work back from Backwards, it. Backwards, yeah. Um, and, and, and really get something from, from that activity. Yeah, yeah, that, and that was definitely missing from my... Because I spent so long on it, I didn't get the opportunity to do the whole accessing it from my own memory and applying it in a, in a problem. And I think it definitely affected me in my exams because every time someone would present with... Uh, the question would present with a, a clinical STEM. I just mm. have... You know, even though I had the knowledge and I'd be able to tell you a fact, but drawing it from my brain was just a whole other like story of the tension that i feel haven't you you've got exactly you can't have the exam being the first time that you're really giving that a run for sure Um, yeah i think especially with anatomy like we've touched on so many like problems that we've faced so far ultimately you want to be flexible with the way you learn each day the more you go over it you'll learn something new anyway so even if you know the structure of the bone or whatever 
um, you can just add like it's just layers. You're just making a massive sandwich, and once you've made yeah. a whole sandwich, enough to be sandwich. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna eat it, digest mm. it, and then <laughs> it. It, that's what it is. Though. That's like the learning, the whole of medicine. Like you want to layer it up, and so you can vomit out. So <laughs> <laughs> when you were mentioning about you know you don't want to be uh, in the exam thinking you know I've never thought of this or I've never seen this before. I remember when we had our anatomy exam at the end of first year seeing like the brachial plexus I think I'd only looked at it like a few times and then not really thought about it at all so I remember going into the exam and thinking oh my I've seen oh my god like I've not even I've learned about this so much I've read about it so much I've had lectures on it I've done group work on it but I've not actually gone and seen it and like taken it apart and attested what I understand mm. so yeah, that, that I, was a good I lesson remember for me. that exact moment. Yeah, yeah it looked foreign. The brachial <laughs> yeah. looked foreign. I was like, oh gosh, I can't work it out. So, you know, I feel like um, when we talk about these things, especially with testing yourself, I feel like I'm stating the obvious when I say you need to do it. But sometimes because in medicine, there's so much content, you get so carried away with knowledge and that first base of the yeah. learning pyramid. It's very easy to just, as you were saying, Lisa, before, well, it's very easy to stay there because there's just so much. So I think testing yourself along the way is, is really important. But also just to add, okay, can you remember the other thing? I think most importantly, you have to be patient with it. Yeah. You know, have that patience. Don't think it's just going to happen quickly and let it settle over time. That's just naturally how it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have, I have a question. Yeah, uh, I know Lisa doesn't like oh, this Lisa. learning style. This is for everyone. but uh, Lisa le- doesn't oh. like. I think you'll find the evidence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> read the evidence but okay fair because there isn't any evidence in support of them (laughs) oh well i mean okay fair um but uh, no i just had a question about this whole thing of anatomy is very visual right yes so for anybody who's thinking about oh but i struggle to see things and everything like that what do you have to say i would i would i would question whether you think you don't visualize things as opposed to you can't you know, if you asked someone to draw up a memory of, of a relative or a friend and you ask them what actually comes to mind, it's probably going to be some form of visual representation of that person. It'll be their face, not just their name seen as text inside your brain. I think actually inherently we are all actually quite visual. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we interact with our world through a visual s- sensory input uh, on a massive scale. So I think to think that you can't learn in a visual manner it is is perhaps going against actually the way your brain is wired to to learn a lot of things you know i'm sure we can have a whole episode on neural myths and and educational myths but what one of one of them is this notion of learning styles which is that every individual person has a particular way in which they can learn and and if they're not learning in that way or being taught in that way they won't learn so no, if you identify as a visual learner, then you learn best if whatever you're being taught is given to you in a visual format. Or if you're an auditory learner, you learn better if that information is given to you in an auditory format. The issue with that is that there's not any evidence that's ever supported that that's the case. And it's a really easy thing to test because you basically take a group of people who identify themselves as auditory learners, teach them whatever it is in an auditory format, take another group of people you know, teach them in whatever format that they have a preference for, whatever they identify as their learning style, and then cross over and see whether actually those that identify as visual, did they learn it better when it was presented visually or did it learn did they learn it better when it was presented in a in a way that wasn't consistent with their learning style. 
And when you look at the evidence there, it's that actually there's nothing to suggest that if you are taught in the manner in which you identify as your learning style, that you will learn it better. Quite often, actually, you don't learn it better, you learn it less effectively. So I would really, really caution students who think they identify as whatever kind of learner, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, whatever, to just put that to one side. And actually, depending on what the topic is that you're learning, yeah. you, you'll learn it better in the manner in which that, that subject lends itself to being learned. So anatomy is visual. So you will only learn anatomy by looking at stuff that presents itself visually. So looking at pictures, looking at relationships, looking at 3D presentations of anatomy on the cadavers, on models, on 3D renderings that you can access on your computer or on your iPad. You know, reading a block text, you, you know, is, is not ever going to be sufficient, even if you're like, well, I'm an auditory learner. I don't learn from pictures. You do learn from pictures. You learn about the whole world is presented to you as an image that then represents itself in your brain. So I, I, you know, if there's one key kind of message to say is that if you automatically put up barriers to thinking that you're not going to be good at anatomy because you're not a visual learner, I would literally push that to one side and just say, actually, that's my preference might be that I don't think I learn visually, but I actually, I have every chance and success of learning a visual subject as as the next person and, and mm. don't let that be something that holds you back i need to look at images in order to process something and to appreciate relationships of maybe one muscle to a nerve but also another like tip that came to mind was that if you use your own body to learn anatomy it's so useful because you can see okay i'm flexing my fingers i'm extending my fingers and you can kind of think about what muscles are being used what nerves are being um used as well and in addition to that you're you're using your body to sit an exam so yeah. if you're there you can literally just be like okay so these muscles are found in this compartment but, but and you can just sit there and just like meditate and then appreciate everything we literally joke about this and sitting yeah. in the exam when you stare at your own and you start yeah. doing all these different yeah, because things. the more you use because you're using it so if you're using something that is going to be there in the exam aka your body then you're winning yeah. you're, you're basically sorted <laughs> i'd say anyway just True. Coming on, on that, I, I always remember when I studied anatomy, we had um, anatomy vivas. Um, so a little bit similar to the sort of thing that you might have had at the end of second year, uh, where you kind of have an oral assessment of your anatomy knowledge. And I remember that on one of my anatomy exams, I was asked about the action of the lumbricals, which are these weird, stupid little muscles that are in, that are in your hand that you can never really kind of fathom exactly how they work. And Naturally, I couldn't remember how they worked. You just put your hand out and... <laughs> so, you know, I was doing all these things in my hands. I just couldn't for the life of me remember how, how they worked. And I remember, you know, the usual kind of student debrief um, after an exam. And I remember saying to, to my friends, I was like, so annoyed. Like, I was fine on everything else, but blooming lumber calls. I couldn't remember what they did. And um, went to bed. And the uh, following morning, um, I opened my curtains. And stuck on the outside of my window was a massive drawing of a hand positioned in the way that the lumbricals act and i have never forgotten the action of the lumbricals what my friend that actually stuck it on the outside of the window had i don't know how she managed to get into this closed off courtyard uh, but she must have climbed over a gate and like <laughs> made her way through a number of hedges and trees and whacked this thing on the outside of my window just is, to is, make is, a point is that is that kind of cruel is she she's reminding you for next time but she's also remind she's also uh 
I don't know, joking about you uh, forgetting something in the exam. <laughs> I'd woken up, you know, in the morning, like yeah. trying to like move on from a the exam, and then there's this blooming thing stuck on my window. At first thing I see in the morning. Oh, well, that's, yeah. that's good that you still remember it now, though. Still to I this never day. Never forget. I never that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that, by the way, is uh, Lisa showing us on Zoom call. If people didn't know what we were talking about. Flexing my MCPs, <laughs> extending my uh, ICPs. <laughs> I was going to say, still to this day, I still. If I'm doing the lower limb myotomes, I have to stand up. I can't. I can't do them sat down. Yeah. So, uh, I, I have to I pat hope. myself down, like and figure out everything. There's a dermatome dance as well. Yeah. Isn't there? Oh, oh, is there? Yeah. A dermatome yeah, there one. A derm- oh, yeah, yeah, you have a to the dermatome dance. It's in the oh. lower limb. There's a, a thing where you sort of pat different sides of your leg and work your way down (laughs) but also I had a quick question about textbooks guys because I remember I was used to feel the pressure of using a Grey's Anatomy or whatever my favorite textbook which was not really a textbook online is Teach Me Anatomy um because of the beautiful diagrams and images that they provide really simple too like everything would be on one one page you'd have all the anatomy some nice pictures and then at the end they would normally have like a couple of clinical conditions in a box it married up really well to the stuff that we needed to know. It was yeah. never, it was never too much detail, and was never short on detail really for 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 the stuff that we needed to know. Yeah, I, yeah. I never felt like I didn't use like physical textbooks and like because I found like that was a bit overwhelming for me. I'm I'm mm-hmm. sure there are people out there who do use textbooks, but because I felt like it was in, in another level of depth. So I just used obviously the lectures, the workbook that we were given with. And yeah. Me. You know, because you were saying how. Um, I like I always used to have that one textbook as a resource for physiology at least just to go back to as a, yeah, as a reference not like loads of textbooks for everything but it's yeah. just for anatomy sometimes maybe a student might think oh I need that reference textbook to go to you know as, yeah. a, as a backup so, especially yeah. if you're like a little first year medical student yeah not really knowing what to revise or not to revise I think it can be overwhelming but I think once you've got the basics done you can reinforce what you know by reading ahead if you wanted to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, did either of you use the um Grey's Anatomy flashcards the physical uh, flashcards because yes. I, I, I think I know a few people who got those in first year and I'm, I'm not sure if they continue using them or they were a good resource yes. but I, I saw them and they look, they look good I don't know if- yeah I personally don't have them but my friend does and we have used them before yeah. But Nikita, you, I think yeah, they're really good. Cause, um, I think there's a free online version. Uh, oh, is there? I, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, d- mean, I, don't know if that, I don't know if that's a pirated version or uh, <laughs> something, so I don't want to recommend it. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I was lucky that way because I was telling you guys before, I've inherited a lot of my stuff from my brother because he did medicine as well. So he had the flashcard box and I was yeah. like, oh, how convenient. So I just used that. And yeah, it's just great because it's all done for you. You know, the number, the muscle and oh, stuff like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. So it has all of that and, and sometimes clinical questions as well on there. So, um, and, and actually surprisingly, I thought the clinical questions would be quite far-fetched, like really advanced stuff. But some of them you could actually answer as a second year or which is really good to have as a resource. For sure. I think that's a, an important point on, you know, the value of the flashcards is, is using them, not the creation of them necessarily. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, so if you are someone who... Uh, very much uses flashcards just be mindful of how long you're taking to create them and yeah. make sure you're allowing yourself the time to actually use them uh, which is what what makes them really valuable obviously you guys have uh, mentioned teach me anatomy as, as a as a resource um, a go-to resource and i think an important point to to sort of advise anyone that's that's doing anatomy still or coming in to do anatomy is, is at least find one major go-to resource you know whether that's textbook or a website you know just have one main go-to 
the fact that we have a breadth of anatomy resources available is a good thing. It can also be a bad thing because it means you could spend so much time flicking between lots of different things and never really knuckling down and actually getting to the point of actually sitting and learning something. Certainly at the beginning, find what, what is the thing that works for you. Maybe it is a textbook that really resonates with you and provides a level of detail that you're comfortable with. Maybe it's, it's a website. Do a bit of playing around to begin with, but then settle into just a, a finite number of resources that will be your go-to places for, for sort of supplement, supplementing your lectures and, and, your, uh, and your dissections and group work. I think one, one thing just to mention, given the situation that we're in currently with COVID, is a lot of students coming back to study anatomy or coming in to do anatomy for the first time are not necessarily going to have access to the same resources in the same way. Uh, that, that you guys have had uh, and, and other students have had at other medical schools because much of l the learning may happen now um, in a virtual environment uh, rather than sort of hands-on with plastic models in hands um, and I, th I think perhaps what maybe comes into this then is is utilizing some of the apps sort of 3d anatomy models and things some of which are freely available uh, and others that perhaps require a subscription or, or a payment have any of you guys used anatomy apps there's complete anatomy i feel like i wish i used it more that's like in hindsight but yeah that's really good because you can um select a group of muscles to just focus on and obviously because it's 3d you can just rotate it and see it from different angles moving on to clinical years if i did were to go back to anatomy especially for muscles and bones and things i think that's my like mini goal to kind of use that a bit more i'm similar to you guys i think probably i wish i used it more but mm. i feel like the reason why i'd i'd reach a point where yeah fine i'd you know, I can rotate around the body and that's fine. But sometimes I always felt like I wanted to hold something physically oh, to yeah. look. Yeah. Do you see yeah. what I mean? Sometimes yeah. I still felt limited by just seeing it on an iPad screen, even though I can rotate through. So stuff like, for example, the the larynx maybe where I, I you know, like the epiglottis and stuff. Like I was telling you guys about the, the VR headset that I have at home, basically mm -hmm. that comes as an accessory with my phone. That helped me to kind of walk around and look inside it. The apps like complete anatomy and there's another one called visible body have a an ar function on now so that when you say are looking at it on your phone or just normally or looking at it on your ipad you press this um ar button and what you'll see then is whatever the room is in front of you with whatever anatomy model you have up at the time so you can then walk around as you're describing nikki to walk around the model you know oh. looking at it through your phone but you're actually you know, you're not having to wear a headset or anything. So that gives you another way of kind of, you know, positioning yourself and walking around, you know, either a, a you know, a very tiny little cadaveric man or you can make them really big. So that was a feature of complete uh, anatomy. Feature of complete anatomy. And it's a feature oh. of visible body as well. Um, my advice would definitely be, particularly for students who don't have as much access to prosections, cadavers, dissection labs or models to, to really make use of some form of 3D anatomy model system, you know, whether that is an app like Visible Body, Complete Anatomy, or there's a number of um, free 3D models that we'll, we'll talk about in our recommendations section that, uh, that are worth uh, having a look at. Say if you have learned something, and uh, for example, say if I've done the Yankee flashcards, whatever, I've learned and I revised it, but if I want a different perspective, and be a bit more flexible with my learning. I'm going to be like, right, let me get the complete anatomy app out and maybe make it as an AR version or whatever and make it a bit more entertaining for myself. Be like, what do I know? But from a different angle, mm. I think it will reinforce it more. So I think 
well, once I have, I probably have to go back from the anatomy anyway, I think that's what I'm going to do first. And I think it'll be more exciting because I'm so used to doing it from a flashcard basis and just... Um, You've got to be very careful as well. Like say with, yeah. with flashcards, you're looking at three uh, two-dimensional 3D. images. Yeah, exactly. And you can almost kind of constrict your understanding of that muscle or that nerve from the way you've seen it presented as a two-dimensional image in one perspective and i think if you can learn a muscle or a nerve or whatever so that whatever way you're presented with a view of that muscle or nerve you you just understand it so well in terms of its 3d orientation and relationships to other structures that you can you just know what it is you know you like you say a guy you having multiple perspectives of the same thing is so important i think it's also about being aware of what you're doing because like you said flashcards can be deadly especially with anatomy so if i knew like i was like hmm i'm not sure what this looks like in three like real life or whatever so i'll go to a youtube video or go to different resource to kind of make sure that um i've understood it and in addition to that also use imaging like um, an x-ray or like a ct image if you think about yourself in a clinical setting, say as like a doctor, F1, F2, you're going to be presented with this kind of stuff. And, you know, sometimes we're even tested on things like that as well. So it's good to up your learning. Yeah, there's so many examples of I can think of where I, I saw things on a, a 2D image. And either when I saw it in 3D, it stuck really well. Or when I've come to do a question, the 2D image hasn't really uh, tested my understanding. I, I was thinking of a, a question when I uh, was about like the ligaments of the spine. I could picture them really well on a on a 2D image, but I couldn't think which one was uh, more posterior, which one was more anterior. But if I if I'd done the same learning or even just looked at a, a model or tried to apply it on a cadaver, I would have had a completely different perspective on it, the type of perspective that I needed to understand it really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For example, you know how sometimes, say with our workbook, it can be quite wordy the way they describe the course of something, like the course of a nerve. The 3D app would definitely come in useful when I used to just look at the exact course. Because you know how they word it, that oil goes behind this muscle through this tunnel, but you need yeah. to see that. So with the app, you can follow it all the way through. And that's when it used to complete that whole picture that, ah, okay, that's how it travels. I think the narrative is helpful. You know, if you're presented with just a picture of something, without any context it's very difficult to actually learn something from it so you know while we've kind of discussed the importance of how anatomy is a very visual subject and and you've got to kind of start building up your own mental models of of how the anatomy presents itself at the same time you know still kind of reading text um often that kind of accompanies a description of an image is is just helps you make better sense you know so if you're reading something that says the nerve does this this and this you know, those are the things that you need to specifically make sure you've identified on a picture or, a, you know, 3D rendering of, of the structure. So I think we'll come into a bit of a summary of what tips would we give to people who are learning anatomy, because we've covered a lot. So Elliot, what do you think? I would say the number one piece of advice would be throw yourself in and don't be worried to sound stupid. Uh, use as many resources as you can at the start. Then you probably want to narrow them down. I think my top tip is start learning early, start getting stuck in early but in addition to that appreciate everything and don't just wrote learn stuff yeah but yeah just also be patient with it and let it settle over time just naturally like with everything everything in medicine it'll naturally become a part of your vocabulary so just just be patient with it start learning early and and, and build it into something that you do regularly over the semester um, and the more exposure that you have to certain content and material the more it'll start to stick um, and you can only do that by like I say throwing yourself into these things and, and trying to get the most out of it as, as you can 
And I think the other thing with anatomy is that, and it comes back to your point, Gary, about not rote learning, mm. is that, you know, have a think about, you know, often with anatomy, the words are given because they relate to something. You know, take a muscle like sternocleidomastoid. You know, you can help remember that word because it relates to the things that it's attached to. You know, these words aren't just pulled out of thin air for the most part. There's actually <laughs> reasoning behind a lot of the words that are used in anatomy. So if you can get behind the meaning of the words, then you're, you're, you're helping yourself to move away from just rote learning. Yeah. Um, so we've come to the final part of the show, our recommendations. Uh, so we'll start with Lisa. So yes, yeah, so, so I made mention of some free open access uh, anatomy models on Sketchfab. And we'll put the links in the show notes, but there's loads of things on there. But in particular, there's a set of 3D models that have been created by the University of Dundee uh, from, I think, a lot of scans from real human bodies. Uh, so, you know, anat- anatomically accurate. And there's um, models from all parts of the body on there that you can interact with, um, move around, zoom in. Some of them have an- labels on that you can toggle on and off. So I definitely recommend having a look on Sketchfab for some multiple different 3d models particularly to kind of supplement students that are going to be doing a lot of kind of online virtual learning activities in the current sort of covid climate there was a second recommendation in terms of a an anatomy resource and that's um a, a sort of image library of cadaveric dissection it's called real anatomy 2.0 and, and actually what what's kind of good about that is that it's again it's a free open resource that you can go to you can have a look at cadaveric images but also allows you to kind of take pictures from whatever view you've orientated and download those pictures into your own notes as well and there's also little tests little practical tests that um, that you can do which is quite good for sort of preparing any student that might have a spotter or an anatomy spotter exam or sort of you know flags in structures and you've got to determine what the structures are and we'll provide links for all the recommendations in the show notes that's all for this week so thanks for joining us goodbye for now and don't forget to join us next week for another exciting episode if you enjoyed the podcast please subscribe and leave us a review you can also give us a follow on instagram at the hippocampus podcast and if you've got any thoughts to share on this episode or ideas for future discussion please send us an email at the hippocampus podcast at gmail.com 